0: Any lane there is a bar a short
1: Good morning and welcome to uh, Penny for Your Thoughts. I'm going to be here for a couple of hours today. This first hour will be an open line. Then it's our Illini Friday program. This is something we uh, do before every Illinois home football game. My guests will be uh, Kent Brown from the uh, DIA, uh, Barry Hauser, the director of the Marching Illini, and uh, Mike Pearson. Mike uh, is going to talk about his newly released third edition of Illini Legends, Lists, and Lore. Don't know if you have uh, seen this uh, book or not, but this is indeed something that uh, every Illini uh, fan, people interested in history of the University of Illinois and athletics, uh, this is the book for you. It's a big one, 471 pages. We'll talk more with uh, Mike Pearson about uh, after the 1030 news. Kent Brown and Barry Hauser on before that, as we salute the Illini on Illini Friday. In the news this morning, a lot of it about uh, yesterday's Board of Trustees meeting. Did you see where the uh, U of I chancellor says he has had many conversations with Professor Stephen Kaufman about the three-in-one and other related topics. When I saw that story, I said, really? Many conversations? How much of a chancellor's time is given to any one professor? Uh, professor Emeritus, by the way. And on that topic? Well, that's what he said. The chancellor did reiterate that the three-in-one and the name Fighting Illini aren't going anywhere. The board discusses the uh, war chant in closed session. President Tim was, uh says he was uh, caught off guard when the news broke last month on social media. Happened at a soccer game. Remember the staff came over and uh, told Some students had a drum and were doing the chant that we don't do that anymore. The president said the issue came out in a strange way and there was no opportunity for clearer communications. My understanding is that this uh, decision was made sometime last spring. U of I has chosen four candidates for provost the highest academic post on the campus. We hear the leader is the dean of Illinois' highly regarded College of Engineering. The state of Illinois to borrow $6 billion to help pay for late bills. We just don't have the money, the governor says. We've got to find it somewhere to pay for these bills that we've owed for a long time. Jim Dye writes in today's Gazette editorial about the justice delayed 27 years after the estranged husband of Cheryl Hauser was sentenced this week to what amounts to life in prison for her murder. On the national and international scene, the leading story, of course, is Hurricane Irma taking direct aim on Florida. And evidently, there are people down there that uh, should be, should have evacuated by now that have not. And the governor told them last night, "We can't do anything about it. Once the storm gets here, we can't save you. So you better get out." A lot of people were getting out. You see the, the uh, television shots of the string of cars headed uh, out of uh, Florida. We're going away from the the path of Irma. And an interesting story this morning: uh, out-of-staters may have won the New Hampshire for Hillary Clinton. Five thousand people who cast ballots in New Hampshire in the 2016 presidential election might not have been residents of the state. Maybe they were from Russia. Who knows? They're calling him the independent president now. It's one of the nicer things they've said about President Trump in a long time. Calling him the independent president because he made a deal with the Democrats. And the writer says it shouldn't be a shock. North Korea may launch the ICBM uh, tomorrow. This is a warning from the South Korea president. And the Department of Justice has filed a brief supporting the baker who refused to make a wedding cake for a gay couple. It's being heard by the uh, Supreme Court. And as you uh, heard on the news, an 8.1 magnitude earthquake struck off Mexico's southern coast last night causing at least five deaths in swaying buildings in places like uh, Mexico City. And one final item, a uh, report is that Bill Cosby now owes $1.8 million in back taxes. This says taxes does not say anything about uh, how much money he might owe the uh, attorneys, but I would guess that would be a substantial amount as well. And that case goes... On and on. So, those are just some of the headlines uh, for our first hour here this morning. We're going to go through some of those uh, stories and uh, talk about them in a little more detail, get your uh, questions and the comments. But if you have uh, something uh, different that you want to talk about, that's all right too, because this is indeed an open line, and that's what we do on an open line. Here's how you get on. Three five six nine three nine seven is the phone number. The castle heating and cooling text line is three five one five three five seven. So let's get it going on this uh, open line, a little dialogue, if you will. The monologue comes when this show is over, and the rush starts. A uh, bill is first up today. Hello, Bill
2: morning, Jim. How are you today?
1: Oh, I'm terrific. How about you?
2: Oh, not bad. Kind of kind of feeling bad for the people down in Florida, actually.
1: Well, I, I, that's really uh, going to be something. They're talking about this being uh, worse than Harvey.
2: Yeah, that's incredible. I was just, uh, just thinking this morning, I'm wondering what they got planned to do with all these uh, animals in these zoos down there. They've got hyenas and tigers and lions. I mean, I want Hope them babies don't get
1: loose down there. No, I'm sure they've uh, they've taken the um, precautions. I don't know what they are, or if they had to move uh, some of them. Uh, I don't know that either. But um, I would uh, I would think that uh, they'd uh, they take very good care of them. I wouldn't worry about that.
2: Yeah, I think the governor and them people down there are really. I think they're doing a pretty decent job. Myself, I think they're doing a pretty good job. I mean, they've touched base on just about everything.
1: Then you got some uh, some dumbbells that are just going to stay there, and uh, I don't under. I you, don't get that. Well, I don't you, either. You if somebody told me, he said you better evacuate right now because this is going to be a terrible storm and. Uh, once it begins, this is what the Governor said last time. once it begins, it's going to be so bad that we're not going to be able to uh to come and and save you right away
2: yeah i was I was just watching that Today show just a little bit ago and they were talking to one of one of the meteorologists was on the beach, and there's actually women in the background along the beach taking pictures of the waves coming in and stuff I mean these are elderly women like Seventy, seventy-five, and I thought, what in the world are them people thinking?
1: Well, they're getting their Christmas cards ready, you know. Oh, they're
2: not. May they may not be able to enjoy a Christmas. They stay yeah. out there
1: too long. Yeah, I don't don't mean to to joke about it, but it's just kind of silly if they're doing that. Yeah. Now there, there are some cases, and this happened in uh, at uh, Katrina, and it happened at Harvey. That there are some people that have no way of evacuating. They yeah, they have I no understand. they have no cars they have no uh, transportation they they have no way of getting out of there and wow. they're they're trying to find ways and of course they've been bussing people and the airports are doing the best they can to help get people out but uh, that that's one story those those kind of folks but there are others that are just too hard headed to do anything. Well, let's
2: just uh, hope for the best. That's all we can do.
1: Absolutely. Thank you, Bill. Peggy is next. Hi, Peggy. Hello.
3: Hello. Hey, good morning. What a beautiful one it is.
1: Good morning. How are you?
3: I'm wonderful. Hey, I was wondering if you or anybody else that was going to that fundraiser today could ask Jim McMahon why he didn't become a quarterback coach or some kind of a coach after he left.
1: I can barely understand you, I. Uh, I don't know if it's your phone or what, Peggy. Say that again, please.
2: We, uh,
1: we just can't get we We can't understand what you're saying. Uh, I don't know if
3: it's your phone or what, Oh, I'm sorry. It must stand, be my please. phone because oh, I can't, can't hardly hear you either.
1: Oh, um, okay. <laughs> I was wondering
3: why Jim McMahon could, uh, didn't try to become a quarterback coach when he left the Bears.
1: Oh, well. Uh, which, uh, you mean a color? Or, or the coach.
3: Why? He, yeah, why he didn't, after he quit being
1: quarterback, why he didn't uh, who, become a which, coach. Uh, well, well, yeah, you, we had a bad phone line there. She had the radio on as well. And again, a, a suggestion that, not a suggestion, a kind of a warning because it just doesn't work if you leave your radio on. And uh, talk to us on the phone. It's uh not good. Just turn the radio off and then uh we could talk to you, do better. Alan is next. Hi, Alan.
4: Well Jim. Uh, I think she was asking about Jim McMahon why he wasn't uh quarterback uh coach. Uh, well, I think the miniature was already starting to set in with him.
1: She, oh she already. was talking she was talking about Jim McMahon? Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah, she uh, wanted
4: to know why he wasn't quarterback coach. Well, I think he was already just started and began to have the problem with uh, dementia, dimension. I think he still does. Well, I'm sure. Well, that's
1: uh, yes, that's uh, his uh, problem, all right, and he's uh, he's uh, not doing so well. And uh, even before that came about, I don't know that there was any uh, conversation about him being a coach. Uh, was there? No. Did he ever have any idea? that he wanted to well, be a coach? I
4: think he burned his bridges just a little bit. But the uh, <laughs> thing I was wanting to call about, I was trying to get on yesterday and didn't. The guys were talking about Stephen Kaufman and the 3-1 and one and all that. It just seems like this university is getting to be more and more like the University of Michigan. And we know Michigan is probably about the most liberal school in the Midwest, and we're, we're just about a step behind them. I mean... Uh, it seems like uh, minority wins everything in these universities anymore.
1: Well, we're politically correct, that's for sure.
4: Yeah, and that's a uh, nice we're
1: statement. we're that uh, at this university. And I don't think we're unique. It's uh, kind of the way things are going. Kind yeah, of
4: it's pretty much everywhere, but uh, we're we're ahead of the ahead of the class right now.
1: I was surprised by the the chancellor saying that he had had several conversations with Stephen Kaufman. Why?
4: I would think there'd be a lot more important uh, subjects to be talking about than just that.
1: Well, I'm I'm sure he's uh talking about a lot more uh, important things than that. I mean, he's he's got uh you know probably putting in long hours and doing a lot of hard work on other things. But the 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 question is, why would you give? One professor, in fact, this guy is Professor Meredith at the University of Illinois, well-regarded uh, instructor, um, I'm told. But he has just been uh, talking about this same topic for years yeah. and years and years, as we all know. Now we get a new chancellor who says that he's had several conversations with him. Well,
4: I would think there'd be a lot of other professors that would have liked to attend the uh, chancellors either, too.
1: Well, yeah, that that's the uh, the point right there. How many, how many of us, or how many of uh, people on the uh, the faculty can uh, have several conversations with the chancellor? You're, you know, you're lucky if you if you uh, get to have one. I mean, he's he's an accessible person, but uh, I wouldn't think he would be that accessible that he could just hear the same thing over and over and over again from uh, the same guy.
4: He seems to have some kind of power over everybody. I
1: don't know what it is. Hey, thanks, Alan. Appreciate your call. A break here at the 920. It's 65 degrees here at the Radio Center. Speaking of the uh, board meeting yesterday, uh, Brad Dancer, the head tennis coach, uh, been uh, coach since uh, 2005, has a new agreement that runs through 2023. He earned one hundred and forty two thousand last year. His base salary will rise to one hundred and seventy five thousand this year and two hundred and twenty thousand in contract year six. And he'll also receive a retention bonus of one hundred thousand dollars if he stays on through august fifteenth, twenty twenty, and a second bonus of one hundred and fifty thousand in August of twenty twenty three. And uh, Tyra uh, Perry, who was hired in t- 2015, the uh, softball coach, has a new five-year contract that runs through 2022. She earned $124,000 last year. We paid 140000 this year and 165000 in the final year of the agreement. She will also get a $100,000 retention bonus if she stays at Illinois through the life of the contract. And both coaches get ninety percent of any uh, net profits from camps and clinics operated by the university in their respective sports. Brad Dancer, uh, no doubt, uh, ready to go with his with a former alumni Kevin Anderson, who plays at uh, three o'clock uh, this afternoon in the semifinals of the U.S. Open uh, Tennis Tournament in uh, New York. Uh, Brad was uh, on uh, television uh, prominently uh, during uh, the last match that uh, that I saw with uh, Kevin and uh, Sam Query. And uh, Brad was sitting in very near the, uh, or maybe in the Kevin Anderson box, standing and cheering like the rest of us were here at home, that's for sure. Great, great time. Well, back to the uh, chancellor here uh, quickly. After he said that he had had many conversations uh, with uh, Kaufman, he said uh, the 3 and one and the fighting line I aren't going anywhere. We've tried to make that clear. We'll continue to say it again and say it again and say it again. Jones said those issues have come up in conversations with constituents as many other topics do. People want to talk to you about a wide array of issues. And so, yes, people have brought up both of those issues to us. As far as I'm concerned, and members of my leadership team are concerned, those issues are things that were part of this university long before the so-called chief. So we just uh, have to move on now and focus on the main issues, which uh, is uh, educating our students. Kaufman said the music was composed to mimic American Indian culture and it is demeaning. Juicing up the crowd to scream chief is no different than encouraging other racial epithets. If the University of Mississippi recognized that it was the right thing to cease playing Dixie after 70 years, certainly the U of I administration can exhibit similar leadership. The uh, later uh, trustee, uh, Tim McCorrett, said that he served in the uh, Air Force. He supported the idea of educating people about the historical roots of the Fighting Illini nickname. It was, of course... uh, Originally used to honor soldiers who fought in World War One, he said, "I am ex-military. I have strong feelings for people who served their country." And they talked about the war chant in uh, closed uh, session as well. And uh, officials would discuss the details of that discussion, although it was clear the trustees were divided about the war chant. Some were not totally happy. For others, it was not a big issue, as you would expect from a diverse board. Court said the discussion of the chief and the Native American symbols is emotionally charged on both sides. I think on anything this sensitive, it's a good idea to consult the board before those kinds of decisions are made. I'll just leave it at that. And uh, the president, uh, Tim Colleen, said he was uh, caught off guard when the news broke last month about uh, the war chant. A particular issue came out in a strange way through social media, and there was no opportunity for clear communication, he told WDWS yesterday. Colleen said he generally leaves those issues to the campus, saying we've got great leadership in Jones. Whitman, and Hauser. They're much closer to the action, so I'm not interfering in the conversations about those decisions. Trustee James Montgomery said his response to a colleague who asked him about it was, What is the war chant? Quite candidly, I don't think it has a hell of a lot to do with anything other than resurrecting issues that have been festering for a long time, said Trustee uh, Montgomery the only one who was on the board when the chief was retired a decade ago. It is uh, 9.30, a uh, time for the news headlines with uh, Brian Barnard back with more of our open line on Penny after that. We have an open line uh, going this uh, first hour. Then we will turn to uh, Illini Friday with uh, Kent Brown and Barry Hauser and Mike Pearson during the uh, second hour this morning. Let's go to the phones for Janice. Hello, Janice.
3: Good morning. Um, I just a quick comment uh, about what you have been talking about, and then some new information um, about the the uh, the chief of war chant and all that. Um, one possibility is that people that are, attend the games might want to sing out the the chant on their own and uh, express their enthusiasm uh, for that music. So. That's that's one possibility of handling that.
1: Yeah, the uh, the students uh, did that uh, last week. As a matter of fact, at the uh, oh. ball state game, a little bit. But I don't know if anyone else did or not. Kind of hard to hard to know um, how many people mm-hmm. were doing it, but uh, some were.
3: Indeed, indeed. On a separate uh, topic. Um, I'd like to invite your uh, listeners to attend this Tuesday over at the Champaign Library. We've got a group that meets once a month there. It's called the Rental Properties Investors Forum. And it's an opportunity, it's just for people to get together. It's a support group uh, for people that are landlords or want to be landlords. Um, and it allows us to be uh, better at what we do. Um, we, we give all kinds of information and advice. Um, help each other out. We have guest speakers. Um, this particular guest speaker is going to be talking about real estate photography. Um, we meet at 5:30 p.m. at the Champaign Library. This month we happen to be in room 222. And if people are interested, we I hope that they'll contact me and we can get them more information. Um, if I can give my email, um, it's Janice. That's J-A-N-I-C-E at clients. Golden.com. That's clients, plural, A R E, golden.com.
1: Thank okay, you. well, uh, good luck with that. Sounds like a very uh, interesting uh, group uh, getting together, getting together on a regular basis, don't you?
3: Yes. Um, some of the uh, topics we've done in the past would be we've had um, guest speakers that are real estate attorneys, real estate accountants. We've talked about new technologies in our business. Um, different opportunities for lending, how to screen tenants, land trusts, kitchen remodeling, you name it. It's a different, unique mm-hmm. topic every time.
1: Okay, uh, good luck to you. Appreciate it. Uh, hope you have a big crowd. Uh, Joe is next. Hi, Joe.
2: Hello there, Jim. Uh, I think you advise being hypocrites because the, the ha- how they got their name, the Lini, that was a American Indian group. Over there in Peoria, Illinois, and if if they can't keep the war chant and the chief, they shouldn't be able to keep the name.
1: Well, the uh, the name of uh, Illinois and the name Illinois and all that came from Illinois. Well, tribe. isn't that
2: de- isn't that demeaning to keep the chief? Well, it's sort of demeaning to keep the name.
1: Well. Yeah. I don't uh, think so, but you can uh, you can have your have your opinion. But is that your opinion that they they should? Uh well,
2: they're being hypocrites.
1: Oh, okay. And uh, let's see. Bill says Rush commented on the chief years ago. He described the people who were trying to get rid of symbols as the people you remember from high school who never fit in. They found like-minded others looking for revenge. It was their chance to even the score. They would be in control. Problem is, deep down, these people are probably still miserable. And uh, Sarah says, uh, Why a scene caused by stopping the band in mid-play of the music, the decision should have... uh, Followed a chain of command from the chancellor to the director of bands to the director of the pep band of the students. I guess a ruckus was more dramatic than using email. Well, I'm uh, sure, uh, sir, that uh, the people involved here uh, wish this uh, had not happened. And I wasn't there, so I don't know exactly what it was. But it was not the band; it was not an organized band. It was my understanding it was just some uh, students with a uh, with a drum and the chant, but. Uh, I don't know any uh, details uh, about that. But uh, where they made the mistake was, uh, in my opinion, is they didn't uh, announce what they had done when they made the decision, which was uh, sometime last uh, spring. And uh, Mike says, uh, Hello, Jim. I don't know if you remember, but I told you about my struggling golf game last year. I was in the mid 180s I've been practicing I'm now in the upper 160s would you be interested in starting a team with me in the tournament at Lake of the Woods coming up my handicap should help out <laughs> Mike I would think you would have no problem getting some uh, people to uh, to join you there people that have been uh, losing all this time they might have a, a pretty good chance to uh, to uh, take you with that kind of a score. (laughs) Well, at least you're making progress. You're in the mid-180s, and now you're in the upper 160s. 940, 67 degrees, Mr. Bond. We'll take a break. We're coming right back. Phone line's open until uh, 10 o'clock this morning, so if you have an open line-type question or a comment, now is the time, right after this Jim Dye writes in the News Gazette this morning in the editorial, 27 years after her suspicious death, the estranged husband of a Cheryl Hauser was sentenced this week to the equivalent of life in prison for her murder. Circuit Judge Kale Koritz ordered a 57-year-old Gregory Hauser of Mansfield to serve a 55-year prison sentence for killing his wife, and staging the death seemed to look like a suicide. Given the evidence, Judge Court's sentence is more than justified. But in the aftermath of this terrible case, one nagging question cannot continue to be ignored. What took so long? How was the original investigation so badly bungled that it took 26 years to charge Hauser with murder and bring him to trial? There is no other way to characterize the investigatory abomination overseen by Pyatt County authorities back in 1990. If Hauser's family members hadn't continued to press their claims that she was murdered and finally found a sympathetic audience uh, in law enforcement and the state's attorney's office, there would have been no prosecution and no conviction. Further, while Gregory Hauser now faces spending most, if not all, of the rest of his life in prison, he has been a free man all this time. This delayed prosecution is not one of those cases where newly discovered evidence changed the complexion of the case and gave authorities the legal opening required to pursue a prosecution. Instead, it's one where authorities simply didn't take advantage of evidence available at the time. This was a terrible case, one of those horrendously unfortunate instances where an abused wife was unable to escape death at the hands of a cruel, controlling husband. The crime scene evidence of a suicide was hardly persuasive given Cheryl Hauser's love of family, devotion to her three children, and her nursing career, the evidence that she was sexually assaulted at the death scene further undermined any reasonable argument that she took her own life. Frankly, it's possible to explain the investigatory blindness impossible to explain the investigatory blindness on display here, but it's not difficult to condemn it as the height of professional indifference at worst or Incompetence at best. It's a tremendous relief that Gregory Hauser was finally called to account for his cruelly indefensible behavior. But what if Cheryl Hauser had no family and friends to speak for? What if she had just uh, died terrified and alone and no one to demand justice on her behalf? That's what law enforcement is supposed to do. Act on behalf of those no longer able to act for themselves and make sure that every life counts, no matter the individual station in life. There was a massive failure in the Hauser investigation. Thankfully, it wasn't so bad that it couldn't be corrected too many years later. Justice delayed. Where was justice hiding all those years? is the headline in the paper. Here's another interesting headline, Out-of-Staters May Have Won New Hampshire for Clinton during the presidential race in 2016. 5,000 people who cast ballots in New Hampshire might not have been residents of the state. These voters likely used out-of-state driver's licenses and have not yet obtained an in-state license or registered a vehicle. New Hampshire House Speaker Sean Jasper, who is a Republican, released the data on Thursday. It would be yesterday, following his inquiries to the state departments, uh, to the state's the Department of State and Department of Safety, which supervise elections. The new figures could potentially call into question the validity of the. New Hampshire results for November 8th when the Democratic nominee Hillary Clinton outpolled Republican nominee Donald Trump by a mere 2,700 votes. Conservatives have long criticized certain practices of voter registration, such as same-day registration, claiming lax rules invite fraud and abuse of the electoral system. In February, White House advisor Stephen Miller came under fire for suggesting that non-resident Democratic Party voters arrived in droves to New Hampshire to vote for Clinton. Miller had told ABC in February, having worked before on a campaign in New Hampshire, I can tell you that this issue of busing voters into New Hampshire is widely known by anyone who's worked in New Hampshire politics. It's very real. It's very serious. This morning on this show is not the venue for me to lay out all the evidence. The Washington Post described Miller's claim as the same bogus talking points that have been repeatedly shown to be false. But the figures obtained by Jasper reveal the potential abuse of the voting procedure. According to the data, 6,540 people registered to vote and voted in the New Hampshire election provided just out-of-state license. Only 15%, roughly about a 1,000 of the voters, have since obtained the in-state license, while 200 other people have since registered a vehicle in the state. Despite New Hampshire law mandating that Drivers acquire a state-driving license within 60 days of becoming a resident of the state. More than 80% of the people who registered to vote without state licenses still had not received their in-state license or registered a new vehicle nearly 10 months after the election. Recently, three elections in New Hampshire were won by fewer than 5,000 votes. Democrats have fired back at the new data, calling it an attempt to use selective data and misinformation to justify claims made by the White House about voter fraud. And on and on we go. Some of these days, a decade from now, somebody will write a book about the presidential election. What happened? Oh, no, somebody already did that. Is Hillary's book out yet? It uh, I don't know. if I, I haven't been to the bookstore this week, so I don't know if it's out there or not. But uh, it's got some interesting things in it, as we have uh, told you before. And there are a couple of people that have uh, called in uh, recently and talked about North Korea and saying, you know, this tiny little country, they they must know that they'd get blown off the map if they started a conflict uh, with the United States, uh, etc., cetera, et cetera. Well, we're told now by the South Korean president that North Korea may launch an ICBM tomorrow. South Korea predicting that uh, could happen. A South Korean expert warned that hot-tempered and reckless Kim Jong Un will not cause, will not cease, his beloved missile and nuclear program until he is eliminated. The South Korean minister Lee nak said Thursday, "Its neighbor may launch a missile Saturday, while celebrating its founding day." The volatile regime is known to put on a show for its citizens during national holidays. To display its strength, I believe that now is the time to strengthen sanctions to the maximum level while securing military deterrence with, while securing military deterrence means. Dialogue is ultimately necessary, but now is not the time to talk about dialogue with North Korea. North Korea had uh, moved an ICBM toward the West uh, coast earlier this week according to the South Korean paper, Asia Business Daily. The rocket was moved overnight, apparently to avoid detection. If the test is conducted, it would be the 14th one since February. North Korea has fired 21 missiles this year, and Sunday's nuclear test, where it claimed it detonated a hydrogen bomb, will be the sixth one in history. 9.53, 9.53, we go to John. Hello, John.
0: Yeah, Jim. Uh, Jim, I thought of something uh, funny when Hillary's book's coming out. I wonder how she, her and Bill together, I think, got something like, I think it was $200 million or something. It was an astonishing figure that they each got, or they got collectively, uh, oh, by maybe four or five years ago uh for their memoirs and i at the time i thought this is really really strange because i never heard either one of them who was under tough questioning that could ever remember anything and how in the world all of a sudden they remembered enough for each of them to get a book it's just something to mull, uh, mull around in your mind <laughs> well,
1: that, i think that uh that happens to a lot of people. That uh, on the advice of their uh, their counsel, don't say anything.
0: Yeah, I know, I <laughs> know. Yeah, and they and they didn't, <laughs> but mm-hmm. but now they can say anything they want to. So, I just the uh, well, this I, think uh, I, it'd be kind I, of... I can
1: tell you for sure that I would not uh, spend my own money to buy well, Hillary's book. Now, I'd like to uh, get yeah. a, a copy of it at the library or look at it at the bookstore or something, but. Uh, I just wouldn't do it.
0: Yeah, I, I no enticement to me, and I think the only, I think the only people that might buy it are the ones that were silly enough to believe her in the first place. You know, <laughs> but better let you go.
1: Thank you, John. And uh, this text: If you were appalled by the board of trustees' decisions about the chief and the war chant, please don't just sit back and do nothing. Wear a chief shirt. Write or email or call the Board of Trustees, the Chancellor's office, or President Colleen's office. Remember, if you don't fight for what you believe in, don't cry when it's gone. Well, this has been going on for a real long time. I don't think that people wearing chief shirts is going to make any difference, nor do I think any mail written to members of the Board of Trustees are going to make any difference regarding the chief. Because as we have gone over at least a thousand times, the real reason the chief is gone is not the the rantings of Stephen Kaufman and, and the like. The reason is the NCAA told us that we couldn't, you can have the chief, but uh, if he goes down there and dance, then we're going to make it Tough on you. We're not going to give you any postseason tournaments. They even hinted there might not be any uh, bowl games and so on. And uh, then the reaction of some of you to that was who cares? Who cares if the uh, tennis team plays in the or hosts the the national uh, tournament? Or who cares if there is uh, some of the other so-called uh, Olympic sports, or the some people call them the minor sports, something other than football or basketball, have postseason season events here on our campus. Well, a lot of people care. I care, for one. And the people that uh, coach and the people that uh, back those teams and the people that play on those teams, they care. But uh, I appreciate uh, what the uh, person who sent the text said, uh, said, and if uh, people want to do that, of course, they can do just about anything that you like. I wonder when the chief is uh, going to show up at a football game. I don't think he was there Saturday. If he was, uh, nobody said anything about it. Can't get down on the uh, field. Can't uh, do anything that uh, other than be dressed as uh, the chief walk uh, walk around, crossed arms, etc., etc., and have the people go crazy, as they always do when they see the chief. It's 9.58. It's 72 degrees. One break coming up here before the news from CBS at the top of the hour. Our time is up for this uh, open line. We're going to go to our Alani Friday program after the news. Featuring Kent Brown and Barry Hauser, and uh, after the 10:30 news, uh, talk to uh, Mike Pearson about his new book. All here on DWS in Champaign Urbana. (laughs) welcome to our Illini Friday portion of the program. This is something we do prior to every Illinois home football game. And we're pleased that uh, Kent Brown and Barry Hauser will give us uh, their time this morning. They're busy people, but uh, they come by and uh, let you know what's uh, going to happen, how things uh, may be changed around a little bit uh, because it is indeed a night game. And uh, guys, I guess uh, one thing we should talk about at uh, three o'clock this afternoon: uh, Kevin Anderson is uh, playing in the U.S. Open uh, tennis tournament, and if he should, uh, he's already won nine hundred thousand dollars for being a semifinalist. And he's going to be if he gets into the finals. Uh, even a runner-up makes uh, one point three and it seems like a
5: good job yeah so you, <laughs> you picked the wrong thing all you guys are wasting what are yeah. yeah. we well, doing well, here my goodness <laughs> wasting your time playing golf and all that stuff <laughs> hey as good as kevin is it's think about how he, he's had a great professional career but this is as far as he's ever gotten and it is really difficult the elite of the elite is incredibly uh, competitive and so best of luck to kevin and and it's been fun watching him uh, work his way through, and he gets a lot of attention. This is so far the best performance he's uh, probably he's ever had, right? In a major, I, I think. I mean, oh yeah, he's never absolutely. been
1: the, he's never been to the uh, uh, semifinals
5: of a yeah uh, of
1: a major tournament. Very exciting. Yeah. He, he uh, he's uh, talked about uh, the fact that this oh yeah this is the first time I've ever played in here. You know, those other guys mm-hmm. have played in an Ash, which is the uh, the the one that. Uh, the U.S. Open and has the roof, and he's and he's never uh, never played in there, but I was talking to my son, who's a big uh, tennis fan, and, and I said to him, can you imagine that we might wake up uh, tomorrow and say playing for the national championship at the U.S. Open is Kevin Anderson and Rafael Nadal, <laughs> or or the uh, Del Potro or somebody like that. That's almost uh, unbelievable. Anyway, uh that's the way things are kind of start, and then uh, shortly after that, we're going to play a little uh, volleyball.
5: Wow, what a weekend! Mm-hmm. And uh, at Huff uh, at Huff Hall with the the four teams that are here. I mean, you have two teams that probably feel like they're going to have a chance to win a national championship and at least be in the final four with Penn State and Stanford, and and then Colorado and, and Illinois are, are both solid programs for many many years, and the Illini are coming off a great performance last weekend uh, beating Western Kentucky but you know, this will be a different level and um, uh, I think there's a former coach coming back uh, with Stanford and um, I say that facetiously <laughs> I mean everybody, I think all the volleyball fans know of Kevin and had his circled uh, since last spring when he when he took the job out there and and uh, so it'll be exciting there'll be a lot of energy in the gym t- uh, tonight and uh, we're, we sold out of the the uh, reserve seats at Huff um there's uh still a uh, general admission but you know you need to get there early you need to get there early to assure that you're in um you know there at some point it will if it sells out you know they'll shut the doors but um there there's certainly space for people to get in there tonight and hopefully they, they will, will pack it and it's stuff huff and and um it'll be a lot of juice uh at, at huff tonight for that uh, that stanford illinois match
1: and uh, Penn State and uh, Stanford are going to wind up uh, playing again. They've already played once this right. year, and uh, Kevin probably says, "What kind of a schedule is this? Playing Penn State <laughs> hey, twice?" Kevin <laughs>
5: Kevin never shied away from a tough schedule when he was here, and so he's used to that. And there's no doubt about it. But you know, just like anybody else, if you can play all those best those really good teams early, and then you know, if you're going to run into you've you've seen them, you've seen them when you get to the to the tournament and that's uh, you know at volleyball if you're going to compete for the highest level you got to pe- compete for those best teams um, so yeah it's gonna be uh, a good weekend you know that the uh, the match tomorrow night uh Penn State Stanford's going right on at the same time as our football game and so only the diehard volleyball fans will will be in a in a gym with two of the very best teams in the country so uh it'll be interesting to see how that uh, how that plays we are streaming that uh, on our on our website so fans uh, at the um, from from both those schools and anybody from who else around the country wants to to watch it on the website that it is going to be streamed on there.
1: I'll get uh, back to you here in just a moment, Kent, and I'll talk about the uh, the preparation for the the night football game. But uh, same with uh, Barry Hauser. how does this change your uh, your deal? Well, you know,
6: um, it's it's obviously an electric atmosphere with a night game, but it does elongate the day a little bit. That's one thing that's sometimes nice about the 11 a.m. that kind of have a little bit of an afternoon, but we're excited for it. Uh, we'll start at 9 a.m. in uh, the stadium for our game day rehearsal. And then we've got a little bit of a break there. Uh, We've got a couple things going on. Um, Typically, Friday night, we do the thing with the drum line at the alma mater, but we're going to move that to Saturday, and we're going to do that at 12 noon, uh, just in the middle of the tailgate lots over there. So we're going to try something a little bit different since we've got a night game and get the fans riled up, do a little... Mid-afternoon hype, if you will, uh, right at 12 noon. And then uh, the normal activities with Drumline playing in Grange Grove at 4.15. Uh, waiting the team to come in for a line I walk at 4.30. Uh, the band will do a little pregame concert there on the steps of the west side of Memorial Stadium. And then uh, we get ready to parade over from the armory to uh, the stadium. Uh, that will take place at 6.15. And we had a great crowd out last week. So hoping to see the same same number of people come out and support the band and uh, just make it a great game day experience. Any uh,
1: theme that you can uh, let us know? uh, Absolutely.
6: Yeah, we're going to do a little Pirates of the Caribbean. So uh, it's going to be a little bit more of a picture show. So those folks that have some seats a little higher up in the press box, you're going to be able to see a good number of pictures that the band makes. uh, So it should be pretty exciting.
1: That last week, uh, seeing all those high school bands is always is a great thrill for me. I I just uh, I love that. I think it must be a big thrill for a lot of kids. As you said uh, last week, there might be some people in those high school bands that have never been in the stadium or never been to to a big time football game or.
6: Absolutely. Yeah, it's a great opportunity, and again, we're we're really appreciative of the opportunity to do that. It's great recruitment for the Marching Illini, of course, but uh, again, it's a very fun way to uh, kick off the season. We haven't always done that for the first game, but we made the decision to do that just because... Typically weather's gonna be a little bit better and uh, I think the schedule worked well for those high schools to to make the trip. So turned out really well. You never know what you're gonna get though. You get fifteen hundred high school students out there and uh <laughs> well yeah, yeah. It's uh it's definitely kind of a leap of faith, if you will. But uh turned out really great and uh was a
5: great time for those students.
1: Well, Kent, not uh, night game uh, parking lots open at the same time, it's right? Still at
5: seven o'clock, Jim. You can get there early and, and get your spot at seven AM and and uh tailgate all day long if you want um but it takes a little bit of pressure off for a lot of the people who like to get there early and get set up they don't have to quite get going quite as early <laughs> uh this week um but uh yeah the, the of course the uh, grange grove you know people can still set up their uh their tailgate if they want it so, so choose today between five and seven and come back tomorrow and be ready to go or, or at, after anything after 7 a.m they can move their stuff in um with the later start, seven o'clock kickoff. Um, Line I walks at four thirty ish. They they leave uh, their pregame meal, and walk over, at a, and they should be arriving in Grange Grove about four thirty uh, with Barry's group. And um, at five o'clock, that's when some of the activities in, around Grange Grove get started. Of course, uh, local uh, group called Love Sign um, play a wide range of music. I watched a little bit on uh, YouTube. And their website uh, yesterday, the last couple days sounds like it's going to be a good group. They'll be on the south stage. Uh, there are still some ticket packages going on. It's a four for $49 four-pack uh, for this game. And so uh, fans can certainly get out there today or even tomorrow before the game. Uh, the beer tent opens at 4 o'clock. Um, you know, it's going to be a – we dialed up another perfect weather day yeah. uh, tomorrow. So I think we're going to be in great shape for that. It should be – Really, really, uh, great atmosphere. We got a good team coming in, a team that won 11 games last year and won their bowl game and, and, uh, one that, uh, lost a lot of their, t- the, some of their best players, but they have a great quarterback back and, um, they won their game last week over Eastern Kentucky 31-17. Um, so, um, they're a little bit of a transition team, uh, as, you know, with a, with a new coaching staff in there. So it's exciting. Should be, uh, should be a, a, a good, good, uh, test for our young guys. Don't want to uh, speculate, but we were
1: talking a little bit about this uh, before we went on the air. What uh, what's the situation uh, down in uh, Florida? God bless those uh, people. Uh, it's just going to be a uh, going to be worse than uh, Harvey. It looks like, and uh, you never know uh, what the damages are going to be and so forth. And uh, you tell me that uh, South Florida is already a uh, canceled uh, their game for this week. They
5: canceled their game at UConn uh this week. You know, I think every every uh, university in Florida canceled their their games mm-hmm. this week. Uh Miami was supposed to play at Arkansas State. They canceled earlier in the week and so even if those teams are on the road, it's about traveling home, it's about traveling, it's about taking care of their stuff there. Uh obviously putting uh, the safety and welfare of the of the people around the team and in the community ahead of a football game. Um and so this weekend looks like it's it's uh everybody's canceled their games uh in Florida or even teams of, you know that are from Florida. We're certainly monitoring next week. I mean we're scheduled to play there next Friday. Um you know as we've all watched for about the last it seems like about a week we've watched this thing churn through the Caribbean 16 miles an hour it just doesn't move very fast and it's massive, right? And so um we've seen all kinds of different directions it's gonna go. No one really knows how where it's gonna hit the hardest, but it's big enough that it looks like it's gonna just swallow the entire peninsula of Florida. <laughs> so um so I think there's a lot of unknowns at this point, um, of where we're headed. Obviously we'll get through this game and then but uh certainly communicate with the the folks at, at South Florida and and um we'll be uh, you know, kind of at their uh, in the in decision-making mode, because it's it's their home game, and and certainly have to be uh, respective of all that.
1: You well, know, a lot of uh, a lot of reasons uh, to cancel those uh, those games as they did, and including uh, road games, because if you're out in Connecticut some place and all that was going on down in
5: Florida, you wouldn't want to be thinking much about football. I no, mean, no, you really don't. And so uh, there's there's a lot thing more more important than a football game, right? And and uh, so this is it's a you know just watching the the hundreds of thousands of people evacuate and move away from the coast and yeah. um man the damage that we saw some of the pictures and video from the uh, the islands that it, it went over it's i mean it's devastating <laughs> it is it is devastating it's, you can't even put enough emphasis on that and i don't i've never been through it but talk to people who have been through level 1 you know category 1 hurricanes and they don't ever want to ever do it again uh, or nonetheless a, a category four, which is what it is now, so it's a it's a huge situation uh you know college sports really takes a back seat when real life things like this come along, so we'll be monitoring and talking with uh, the folks at South Florida to see what happens next week uh with our game
1: it's uh ten twenty one uh 72 degrees here at the radio center, as I Kent mentioned a uh, good uh, weather scheduled uh, for uh, tomorrow. And uh, Barry, uh, talk a little bit more about the band. Do you have any uh, trips or any uh, bands coming here or anything like that this year?
6: Yeah, we think we've got um, Indiana University will be coming in for the Veterans Day game, so we're planning on doing a pretty pretty large Veterans Day tribute that game, um, and the Indiana band will be part of that. Um, we're traveling to Columbus, Ohio this year, so we'll be there for the Ohio State game, uh, so we're looking forward to that. And then um, this will be our eighth trip to uh, the wonderful country of Ireland as part of the band's 150th anniversary once we hit 2018, Um, We're celebrating the university, obviously, being 150, but the University of Illinois Bands is one of the oldest programs in terms of comprehensive program in the country. So we'll be celebrating the 150th, and that's going to be a big part of that celebration there. So we'll be there officially for the St. Patrick's Day Parade. Uh, So uh, once we finish football, we'll move to basketball, of course, and we'll continue to – Cheer on our athletic teams, but uh, over the spring break time, we'll be taking a look uh, at traveling over to Ireland. So you go fun. to
1: places like Ireland, you can't take the entire band, right? We can or Well, can
6: that trip, that trip, um, honestly, is a volunteer trip, so um, that's something that we don't do a lot of fundraising for or anything like that. So the students that are able to, uh, we usually do that trip once every four years. That we were the first college marching band to do that back in 1992, as when Gary Smith was here. And uh, like I said, this will be the eighth trip so we get a good portion of the band but it's definitely not the full band um generally travel parties still going to be well over 300 people though
1: good luck on getting those, uh, <laughs> those uh, <laughs> i can you know traveling with the uh, the basketball team with uh, 20 yeah. people or something like that with 300 i can't imagine
6: yeah it's it's like running a small town
1: take,
5: take a while get through getting through the lines i, uh, right. I would
1: think but uh Well, Kent, uh, anything else uh, going on this uh, weekend?
5: Yeah, one last thing I think a lot of fans should uh, hopefully pay attention to. The uh, Naismith Basketball Hall of Fame induction is tonight. Uh, We've got a group out there uh, in support of uh, Manny Jackson, former Illini, who, of course, went on uh, to uh, become owner of the Harlem Globetrotters and uh, has been very supportive of the university and and the Division of Intercollegiate Athletics. and so, a chance to recognize him with the into the basketball hall of fame. Um, former Illinois basketball coach Bill Self is going in as well. Um, so that's going on tonight, and I think fans can watch it on the, uh, one of the. I think the NBA uh, mm-hmm. television TV network has it, or, or one of those does. And so, uh, at that, that, that's we have a group there, and Josh is part of that group to help. Support uh, Manny in 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 that endeavor. So, uh, and then you know we're we're about three weeks away from the um, Illinois Athletics Hall of Fame, and we opened up a uh, where fans can uh, do their printed home tickets. It's a free event. We're just trying to have an idea of of what to expect in terms of fan uh, uh, turnout for that. Uh, But that's going to be for an Illini fan who has any sense of the history and of of the of the athletes that have come through here. This is a can't miss event i mean you're going to hear um the only person who was you know, uh who won't be here who was in chicago is craig tiley uh but everybody else is going to be back that that spoke at that and then we have representatives of every other member of the of the class including the grange family and huff family and zupke family and you go down some of the the, the great names of Illinois sports history they're going to be present. We'll get a chance to hear the the returning uh, living members of the Hall of Famers. So if you ever get a chance to hear Jerry Colangelo, Manny Jackson, Dick Buckus, uh, folks like that speak, Craig Virgin. I mean, you go down. It's I mean, it's it's the best of the best. And so it's a can't miss event. It's free. Um, State Farm Center, at two o'clock on the, on September thirtieth, the day after the the uh, Nebraska football game. Um, it should be a really special event, one that uh, people will talk about for a long, long time. How do you go about uh, getting a ticket? If you go to the ticket website on our uh you can do a print-at-home ticket, and it's really just a scan in. It is a free event. If you show up without one, you'll be given one or just allowed in. They're just We're just trying to get a little bit of advance of, of who's going to show up. The first 500 people who uh, signed up for the print-at-home uh, get a uh, Hall of Fame 5x7 uh, picture frame. Um to go along with that as well, uh, so it's um, it, it's it's we 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 would hope to have a great crowd there, and I think if like I said, if an alumni fan who has a sense of history of the athlete to come through here, this is one of those you just can't miss, and it can't be any easier. It's free, State Farm Center seating. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's gonna be it'll be a really really nice event.
1: Will they uh, be involved in the the game? The they yeah be
5: yeah, we're gonna introduce uh, we'll introduce the. Uh, uh, everybody at halftime out on the field, um, you know, we're still working with uh, Dick Buckus, but there's uh, it appears that Dick's going to sign autographs uh, prior to the game. We don't have all the details on the time of that and in Grange Grove for about an hour. He's agreed to do that. We're going to uh, uh, offer the opportunity for uh, the, the, those who can stick around, the Hall of Famers, to uh, uh, be, meet and greet for, for about a half an hour after the event's over, uh, so people can come shake their hand and maybe just introduce themselves to and, and thank some of these great alumni. So we're trying to make it as engage, you know, as fan engagement, fan friendly as possible. Um, and and everybody that uh, was part of this uh, from the Hall of Fame is very very excited about being a part of it. And you know, from their time in Chicago it was a great event up there. But you know, this is the actual induction ceremony and and a chance to hear directly from them about their time at Illinois and uh, and and what what. Uh, you know the 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 impact that the University of Illinois had on them is their careers.
1: You mentioned uh, Craig Virgin; he's a wonderful speaker and a great alumni. You talk about somebody that follows alumni uh, sports and follows all the uh, cross country and uh, track events in the in the world. Uh, just uh, look at his uh, website uh, sometimes. Oh
5: yeah, you know he had a big. There was a big group of track athletes from his era who were in Chicago that bought seats to that event in Chicago, and they're going to be here in bigger force. Uh, in bigger force too. Uh, I know they're they're all planning to come back to to see Gary uh, Winicky too, and and uh, and and really uh, get a chance to uh, to reconnect with him a little bit uh, here in the in the next uh, in about three weeks. So it's it's it should be for I can't express enough. I mean, for an Illini fan, this is one of those events that you need to try to get to. It'll be really really good.
1: Well, uh, Barry, any uh, any last uh, second thoughts uh, from you with regard to this weekend or? Do you, do you have anything to do with uh that that event?
6: Yeah, and, we're working on some things yeah. there. Nothing that we're really ready to announce it,
5: but uh that's just well, yes, I know scoop.
1: the scoop is we may be involved.
6: <laughs> <laughs> you know, we're still working on the exact
5: script. I mean it's a big event, it's gonna it's gonna be a couple of hours long because there's so many speakers and and uh and you know, we're trying to, you know, limit but yet allow them to have some time because people wanna hear them speak. And uh, and so it'll be really good. And so we took a lot of great video in Chicago. We've got some special video stuff that we're doing. We'll have a lot more details here in the next couple of weeks. But uh, as it all kind of comes together, but I'm uh, sure uh, hope Barry and his and his uh, group will will be a part of it somewhere.
1: Well, let's uh, go win ourselves a uh, football game. It yes, cures a lot of ills to win games. Yes, it does, it? no doubt about it have people talking about, oh, yeah, we won another game. We're now 2-0. and yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, guys. We appreciate it very All much. Right. Go line. Thank you. Go Illini. It's uh, 1030. Uh, Brian Barnard has the uh, news headlines. I'll come back after that. We're going to talk to Mike Pearson about his book, Talk Some More Illini, with his Legends of Lists and Lore, 3rd uh, Edition. Coming up with Mike Pearson. Here's uh, Brian Barnhart. And our uh, Lanai Friday uh, show uh, continues, and we're pleased to have on the phone with us uh, this morning a uh, Mike Pearson. Mike's uh, new book is out, Lanai Legends, Lists, and Lores. This is the third edition, also the one of uh, three books that uh, that have uh, come out uh, with regard to the University of Illinois Sesquicentennial. Mister Pearson, how are you, sir?
7: I'm terrific. How are you, Jim?
1: I'm doing great. Uh, Ed tells me you haven't seen this book yet?
7: I have not. I'm uh I'm uh having just given birth, I'm in postpartum right now. Uh so but uh here in the hinterlands of Oxford, Ohio, a, a book hasn't yet arrived.
1: <laughs> well you want me to read it to you? It wouldn't take very long.
7: Would you, would you please? Yeah, I yeah. yeah, I'd like to I'd like just read me any any page if you would.
1: Yeah, it's only uh four hundred and seventy one pages.
7: Yeah, this won't take long.
1: I hope you uh, have some insurance because people are going to drop this on their foot and break it or toe and everything else.
7: <laughs> I am not responsible for back injury. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> hopefully hopefully, people will use a one of those uh, uh, hauler trucks to, to, to move it around the house.
1: No, it's a... It's a no, I've had one for a couple of days uh, here now and uh, it's just uh, wonderful. It's the ability to just Open any page and read some stuff in there. I think it was uh, one of the uh, people that wrote on the on the back of your book that uh, you can, or maybe it was Dion Thomas or, or somebody that said, uh, you know, you can open any page and learn things that you uh, probably never thought about or never knew about.
7: Well, that's that's how I tried to design it. Uh, you know, this this isn't war and peace. Uh, this isn't uh, you don't have to read the first line to understand where the plot is going here uh i uh i'm a big fan of usa today style and that's how i wrote it in in short bursts, uh tried to cover as much material as i possibly could but there there is uh as you said i think it's uh, designed for you to put on the nightstand open it up to any page just uh, randomly uh read put it down open it up the next night and another page and read and uh Hopefully, you'll hit all 472 pages at some point, uh, but I'm uh, I'm pleased with the, with the response of the first uh, two books that uh, were written that way, so we decided to go that direction in the third.
1: Now, it's been a while since uh, edition number two, so there have been a lot of things to add, and I was very pleased to see that you have uh, included in the book. In fact, it's right at the beginning of the book is... Is the Hall of Fame uh, section? That's a wonderful read there of some of our most uh, most uh, well-known athletes and the ones that have received the the uh, several uh, accolades uh, during their uh, post-Illinois uh, careers. And also, there's a lot in there about uh, the uh, women's uh, sports and and uh, the the wonderful athletes we've had uh, in uh, wheelchairs and those kinds of things. So that's uh, kind of uh, New or at least uh, added to what you had before.
7: Yeah, that's exactly right. I I didn't do a very good job in in covering uh, women's athletic history uh, during the first two uh, books, and so I wasn't going to let that happen again this time around. So when when uh, women's athletics uh, gained varsity status in the seventy four seventy five season, uh, I decided we're gonna we're gonna uh, have two pages for the men and two pages for the women uh for each season. And so uh I, I think uh we've covered alumni women's history uh quite well this time around. As you mentioned, uh we uh included uh, many of the Drez the disabled uh, athlete uh, uh characters uh, who've uh, come through the years, the Jean Driscolls and the Tatianas, and uh any number of others, Scott Hollenbach. Uh, we have uh got I got great assistance from uh, that department we've uh, included the hall of fame uh of course that came up rather quickly we wanted to make sure to uh, include uh, all these greats in this uh uh in this book so we had to do some scrambling but uh we've included uh 8 to 10 pages uh, on the hall of famers alone and there's a 16 page color section that you may have noticed uh, some of Mark Jones's uh, favorite I photos that he's taken through the years.
1: I noticed uh, too there is a foreword in the book written by uh, Josh Whitman, and it's uh, as I read through that, I I thought, boy, he had some of the uh, the same uh, feelings that uh, I had so, so many years ago. Just to uh, from in one paragraph. I will never forget the sight of Majestic Memorial Stadium the first time my parents and I drove down Kirby Avenue. I knew Yeah, I'm so
7: thankful. I'm so thankful that you did that uh, the first time around in the in, uh, uh, the first uh, edition. Uh but Josh of course knows the history and uh, knows the insides and outsides of Olaney uh, Athletics as well as anybody.
1: I'm just going to, I'm going to do something uh just to give people a flavor for what this book is like. And I, I'm, you know, it's not television, so I'll have to tell you that I'm telling you the truth. I'm just going to open the book uh, to yeah. some page and uh, and talk about what's on that page. You ready? Yeah. Here we go. Ready. 1990, uh, 91 it came to. you got got uh, America's uh, Time Capsule there, uh Talk about uh, men's Illini moment, Uh, the Illini football celebrating its uh, centennial season. Uh, Mo Gardner, named consensus All American, and Trevor Beard shot a record low 64 at the Big Ten championships. Andy Kaufman posted consecutive 40 uh, point games, missing the U of I single season points record, Uh, and then against the U of I Chicago. Junior first baseman Bubba Smith collected six hits in seven at bats, including a record four home runs. Well, I remember that game. Then yeah. you got on the. Uh, you, picked up,
7: you picked a you picked a good uh, chapter because uh, I was the SID at that juncture, uh, and, and I was uh, the chairperson for the Illini football centennial that year. So that that was really one of my favorite uh, years because we brought together. If you remember, Jim, we brought back. Oh gosh! Almost a thousand uh, uh, former varsity alums in football, and it was such a thrill. I remember, uh, distinctly remember one night at the at the old varsity room. Uh, we had the very first crew uh, of alumni back that went dated back to the nineteen twenties, and I saw two men see each other for the first time in seventy five years.
1: Seventy-five uh, years! So, oh wow! Yeah, it, it
7: was it was an amazing it was an amazing uh, year. Uh, uh, Kent Brown had a lot to do with that, and Dave Johnson, and so on. Uh, you know, we 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 uh, spent a lot of time on that, and that was uh, I consider that one of my greatest successes uh, is putting that uh, centennial together.
1: As far as the alumni list uh, on those years, this was the. Uh, on, in 1990 was when Howard Griffith scored the the record eight touchdowns. And you not only oh, mentioned that, but you've got all eight touchdowns uh, outlined here, uh, when they happened, uh, how many uh, yards he ran, uh, et cetera. And uh, you talk about uh, the Illini legend. is uh John Newellan, a great uh, wrestler. And that's just one page out of uh, 472. Yep.
7: <laughs> we, we covered a lot of ground. Uh, I, I remember the Griffith day uh really really well we fell behind if you remember in that game 21 to 7 to southern illinois and then and then exploded uh with uh touchdown after touchdown by number 29 and and we got a lot of mileage that we were scrambling that day because uh he scored his sixth touchdown and we thought gosh this is this has got to be close to a big 10 record then he scored another one so we thought, oh, my, this might be a national record. Well, it turns out he set an NCAA record that still stands.
1: Yeah, he goes uh, five yards, 51 yards, seven yards, 41 yards, five yards, 18 yards, five yards, three yards, and it goes all the way from 10.06 uh, in the first quarter down to one twenty-five left in the uh, third quarter. So he, he had a whole nother quarter fit to let him uh, have the ball. <laughs> that-
7: exactly right. And uh, after that season, this would be a story uh, I think your listeners would enjoy. I called Mrs. Grange uh, because we were headed down to the uh, Hall of Fame Bowl in Tampa, and Indian Lake Estates, where Red and, and Margaret Grange uh, lived, uh, wasn't all that far away. And I said, Mrs. Grange, is there a possibility that I could bring Howard Griffiths over uh, to see Red? And she says, well, he, he's just not doing that well. If you remember, he died. A month later, uh, after uh, we uh, eventually did take Grip over to meet uh, Red, and so, uh, again, another highlight for me.
1: This book is, uh, I notice here in the the notes, that it's uh, available at uh, Game Day on Green Street, at uh, the Illini Union Bookstore on Wright Street, and at uh, Barnes & Noble. So everybody's seen it except Mike Pearson.
4: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and
1: I maybe and, and, and maybe I'm a little gonna, I'm
7: going to purchase one at some point here. Uh I am going to be back in town uh Jim uh the weekend of the Nebraska game. I'll be back for that big uh, Hall of Fame affair that uh, Kent mentioned uh, earlier in your program uh, cuz I, I want to see all those folks again. Uh but I'll be I have any number of signings and uh hopefully uh we can uh, revisit uh, that as we get closer.
1: Yeah, I hope so. And uh you're uh, you're doing a lot on uh, Twitter and Facebook and uh uh you've got a uh, a website at uh, w dot sports sports with an S L L L which uh how clever is that with legends, listen, lures, <laughs> right? Mm. Uh,
7: yeah, well, I, I do have I do have a brand, you
1: know, Jim. So I have to
7: <laughs> I have to sell that brand. Uh, but but on Twitter, if people follow Twitter or Facebook, uh, you can find me at Alani Legends. Every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, I I put out twenty five of uh, fresh historical notes uh, uh, about uh, Red Grange. Uh, even the chief is in there. Is that uh, sacrilegious or not? Uh, but uh, I have uh, a lot of fun just uh, digging through history and, and sharing it with uh, Illini fans.
1: Mike, I remember not to uh, personalize this uh, too much, but uh, you and I were on the uh, the road uh, together. You had, uh, you had your, uh, it must have been the, the first book, or and then I had uh, my book, and uh, we went to a couple of places uh, where we just sat in and talked to each other and didn't sell one book. I remember that uh, very plainly.
7: Yeah, that, that that was kind of a slow night. I think we were going up against a, a top TV show. Maybe it was the uh, <laughs> yeah. Who Shot JR or something like that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it must have been. But anyway, it's such a pleasure talking to you. I look for you uh, at the uh, uh, Nebraska. Where are you going to be signing the books, by the way, on uh, the, the day of the Nebraska game?
7: I will be at uh, Barnes & Noble on Saturday night. I'll be at uh, the Illini Union Bookstore. They're on Wright Street on Friday before uh, the Illini play Nebraska. Uh, and then I'll be signing books at a uh, function at 1030 on uh, Saturday morning, which precedes that big Hall of Fame thing. I'm going to have a presentation about the book. Uh, and uh, so, again, I'll send you some details so that uh, you can uh, spread that news.
1: I will do that, and uh, pleasure to talk to you again. Congratulations on this uh, wonderful read. Uh, I'm uh, taking this home with me and putting it on the nightstand, and uh, doing exactly what you said. It's just, it's just kind of fun to do it that way. Just kind of open it up, and I'm happy that I was able to find a year that uh, you really remember because you were the man, you were the SID at the time, and that was uh, pure luck. But yeah, uh, uh,
7: we were we were uh, we were a little busy in those days. Hey, uh, give, uh, before I forget about it, give Louise a hug for me, will you?
1: I will do that, sir. Uh, very kind of you to, to think about her. She's doing just fine. And sure. uh, I'll uh, appreciate your time this morning, and I'll uh, talk to you come Nebraska. Very good. We'll see you again. Thanks. Okay. Thanks a lot, Mike. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. It's Mike uh, Pearson. Uh, Mike's uh, retired now and uh, putting out a lot of Illini stuff. As I said, this is one of uh, three books that uh, have been uh, published here that were, I don't know, authorized, if that's a, the correct word, for the uh, sesquicentennial. I've uh, now interviewed uh, two of the uh, of the writers, uh, talked to Alex Tate uh, some uh, time ago, a few weeks ago, about her book, which is basically about uh, the founding of the university uh uh, how the buildings were built, uh, history, etc., really fascinating as uh, well. Here I just flipped to uh, a nineteen ninety nine uh, two thousand men's Illini list. Kurt Kitner enjoy the greatest season ever among Fighting Illini quarterbacks in nineteen ninety nine, leading Illinois to an eight and four record. He averaged two hundred twenty five yards passing each game. Perhaps Kidner's most impressive stat was his touchdown-to-interception ratio. U of I's leaders in uh, that uh, category. Then there's a a list of them. Uh, He ranks first and second. And uh, then uh, there's Johnny Johnson and uh, Wes Lunt and so on. We'll take a break here. We're coming right back uh, on our Illini Friday. Illinois is a 7-point uh, underdog to uh, Western uh, Kentucky. It's been uh, 7, 8 uh, all week long. Uh, Purdue, 3.5 uh, favorite over Ohio. Uh, Nebraska is a 13-point underdog to Oregon. Wisconsin, uh, 31 uh, over FAU. Michigan State over uh, Western Michigan by 8. Uh, Northwestern, three uh, uh, points favorite of uh, over Duke. That game is at uh, Duke. Um, at Michigan, uh, the Wolverines, 34 over uh, Cincinnati. Iowa, three over Iowa State. Indiana, three over a game to be played at Virginia. And uh, that's about it. Ohio State, seven and a half over Oklahoma. One final break right here. WDWS in Champaign-Urbana.